Hello, everyone. My name is Brennan Mar. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. Welcome to the Guest Awakens. Presented by Page Turners, they were not my Star Wars podcast. Returning to the show today is a good friend of the show. Uh, the man who is sort of the inspiration for why I did a podcast in the first place. And then who I've actually gotten to meet since the last time he was on the show. We got to meet, and that was really cool. Got pictures together and, and stuff. Well, folks, you know him as one of the co-hosts of Thor Center, now Other Center. And, of course, he's got his own show that he's been doing a lot. It is the one, the only, Ken Napsok. Hello, Ken. Mr. Bredemar, how are you, my friend? Thanks for having Good. me. Thank you so much for agreeing to return. Yeah, thank you for your patience. We've been trying to work on this for a bit, and uh, I apologize. My schedule gets so crazy these days, but uh, not because I'm busy, just because it's hard to predict where to, what I'll be doing the next week, but I'm happy to be here finally, man, and back. You got it. So normally, to those listening, we would be talking about Star Wars. Yeah. But our guest is affiliated with some people who are members of the various guilds that are on strike right now. And uh, just before we go, I just want to say that I support that we at Patreons, they will not support the right to a fair wage. This is a basic human right that everyone should have access to. And so, for the sake of following the guidelines, uh, me and our distinguished guests will not be talking about any of your favorite franchises past or future. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about music. Yes. Now, Ken, of course, is the host of a, a basically an online radio show where you just play some pretty awesome music by request. Mixcloud, which, uh, well, on Mixcloud, and Pop Rock and Radio, which I recommend everybody go check out. And I think it was a couple of weeks ago that I actually set everything off the rails <laughs> by requesting uh, some uh, uh, Nightwish music. Yeah, yeah. And it got crazy. <laughs> uh, that was a hilarious and wonderful request. Your requests are always so fun. And a fun challenge, because uh, whether you like some of the bigger classical songs uh, from, like, say, Journey, which I, I, I want to be clear, I, I love uh, Bon Jovi comes up, some stuff, but you also like some uh, bands I'm familiar with, like Dish Wallace, stuff like that. So it's always a fun challenge with any request to get them in. But when it's a band, I don't know. So I didn't know that band. I just didn't know the music. I don't have the ability to to listen off air as easily as I wish I could. So I have to go to my phone, go to Apple Music and bring it up and just listen like for 10 seconds. And I didn't get to do that with that song you requested. So I was like, you know what? We're just going to honor Brennan's request. We're going to play it. And this, what was it? Swedish heavy metal opera. Yeah. I don't know what it was. And it was so big and epic and it was a lot of fun. So thank you for that. Yes, I was very glad to do that. And really, we I think um, you played that like at the beginning of the show and then it was like, Okay, how do we follow that? Yeah, they're they're <laughs> wild. Uh, so yes, as I mentioned, we'll be talking about music. Yeah. But just according to sort of get into the swing of things, 
I ask just a couple of icebreaker questions just for fun. Love it. What's your, uh, we'll start with this question. What's your idea of the ultimate, like, romantic meal for you and Grace? Uh, great, great question. Uh, you know what? If, 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 uh, if it's a, a, a date night, I'd prefer a, um, a lighter meal so that uh, if we have activities after, go to a show or maybe we're mini golfing, that I'm not, you know, held back by plates of pasta, carbohydrates, mm. or anything like that. Uh, meats. Uh, I, uh, I'm mostly vegan at times, but I still eat a lot of meat uh, as well. So uh, I can switch it up as I go. So if it's like that, but if it's like, hey, we're going, we love going to the smokehouse in LA uh, mm. uh, across from uh, the studios, actually, where a lot of the picketers are right now. Uh, that That is a meal that I absolutely, uh, I'll, I'll just fill my stomach with till I can't move. So mm -hmm. go with that. But you know what I mean? So it's, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be able to pivot, but uh, a good, um, a good meal full of uh, a good appetizer, a drink, um, a salad. You know, I like a lot of things on my table at the same time so I can choose what I want to eat with everybody. Mm, nice. That's very nice. Yeah. And uh, I guess our second question would be, you, what have you been reading right now? What are you reading at the moment? I am uh, got two books going, uh, and and while we aren't focusing on on uh, that Star Wars galaxy, I, I have no problem saying I'm I'm reading uh, the R Rise of the Red Blade book. I think it's actually mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, just kind of poking through that slowly. Um, uh, the guilds aren't calling for a consumer boycott. So you, you know, I, I'm still comfortable watching and reading about the things. I'm just not promoting it. Uh, but mm -hmm. so I'm reading that book and and um, and enjoying that. The other side, I'm reading more of a. Um, uh, I don't even know if to describe it as, as a political book, but I'm reading a book called The Storm is Here, an American Crucible, which is by a war correspondent named Luke Mogelson, who came back from the Middle East to cover the um, the anti-lockdown, anti-vax, anti-COVID movement and extremism. And that oh. out any without planning it, he didn't know it led to the doorstep of January 6th. He actually was there documenting it. with his Oh, man. So it's a fascinating terrifying at times but eye-opening but also uh, i think an important character study book that I'm, I'm almost finished with so uh it's been a lot of fun uh no read the, the events aren't fun but it's been a good good read to get through. i think i'm related to most of those people who are he's studying <laughs> uh, you know well, none of not, not my people. california relatives not my california relatives <laughs> so, anyway. that's me mm -hmm. that's my, my books my books of choice right now awesome yeah, I've been I've been rereading the original Throne trilogy by Timothy Zahn. Oh, the the, uh, the stuff. Oh, that's great. Just in time for a certain show that I won't say the name of to avoid <laughs> getting anybody in trouble, which is a really good show. Uh, yeah, I'll say it's really good. Well, yeah, good uh, I think four center listeners would be shocked to find out that I'm not enjoying it as much as you, you might might think. So I can't wait to finally discuss it and analyze why. Um, and for myself, not just the listeners. But interesting. Yeah. And Brennan, you you got that exclusive. I've not said that publicly. Normal. Nice. Very nice. Um, <laughs> and then the last thing I'll ask real quick is um is if you were to go on a trip to anywhere in the world that you've never been, mm. where would you go? That I've never been. Oh man. Okay. Um, 
That's because I'd like to return to Paris. I'd like to go, you know, Grand Canyon was fun. If you want some nature, uh, I, I, I'd like to get into Italy. That's the next step. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been over there. And then when, when it's appropriate uh, and safe and secure, I, I want to head to Kiev and Ukraine because that's where my grandmother's from. I'm, I'm yeah. uh, Ukrainian. Um, I'd love to go there now. I, I never thought about going there before. It was for some complicated reasons related to the former Soviet Union, but uh uh, I'd like to go see where uh, uh, part of my family came from. Where the Nelsocks originated. Mm-hmm. Half of them, yeah. My grandmother. Half uh, of them, yeah. Yes, yeah, surname is her surname was uh, Olmenchenko, uh, maiden name, I should say. Well, surname as well. Uh, and then my grandfather, Circassian, so the White Hills of uh, former Soviet Union. So, yeah, fascinating stuff there. So I'd love yes. to go. I mean, you've mentioned your, your family history uh, a yeah. few times, and it's utterly mm-hmm. fascinating. I mean, um, we're big history family history buffs in our family oh it's great we've done studies like the mars have been in america since before the united states is even a country that would make some sense uh, mar to me when i hear the last name mar i think of uh, a lot of uk people uh, that might come to yeah, mind we're thinking he was irish we're thinking our first ancestor to come here yeah and then a lot of my other ancestors were part of the um I don't like to, we don't like to use the word, but I'll use it, the Mormon pioneers. Right. They gotcha. came to Utah. That was where our ancestry. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, the reason I say that is, is the, the name Mormon referring to the, the people is fallen out of favor. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it certainly might more only... of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints is more right. considerable. Right, right. It certainly might yeah, have that's where a lot of my ancestors came from. Um, yeah, that's that, they, that's they joined the church in their home countries mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then came out this way and settled in Utah. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It, it all that might elicit a certain kind of response, but it's also part of history, part of your history, and, it, and it's fascinating in its own right. So, uh, that's that's interesting. That's sort of interesting because I think a couple of years ago, the president of our church said. That Mormon is, it, it's not really indicative of what we actually believe. Mm. Mm. I mean, people know the word. Everybody knows who Mormons are. Right. The Book of Mormon, I mean, certainly using it in that context is correct. Right. But he, he was definitely encouraging us to use the name of the church properly. Gotcha. Um, right. Lately. But yeah, a lot of my ancestors are part of that. Yeah. And uh, it's something we, I find so utterly fascinating is just family history and those kind of things yeah uh yeah it, it, you know it's what it's why we're here what forms us uh it, what uh moves us forward all that good stuff you yeah, know listen, your grandfather's life story sounds utterly fascinating it was it is fascinating uh, and um it passed away now th- three four years ago but lived well into his 90s and yeah world war ii vet but um for those that don't know the story, I can sum it in 10 words or less. I'll try, you know, uh, was a Circassian uh, a soldier captured by the Nazis and then forced to fight for the Nazi armor, army, uh, which he did until he got an opportunity opportunity to escape, which he did, um, but was never allowed back in the Soviet Union afterwards. So um, mm-hmm. had to return, had to uh, settle in Austria, where my dad was born in uh, Graz, uh, Austria, and then um, close to where Schwarzenegger was born. And then they came to America in 1951. Very nice. Very fascinating. I think there was 30 words or less, but I got that. Yep. No, it's good. It's good. Um, it's definitely something to um, might have you back on the podcast just to discuss that. It's fascinating stuff. Yep. So we're going to talk today about music. 
and particularly recording artists and mm -hmm. genres of music that had influenced our lives. I mean, clearly music means a lot to both you and me. Mm -hmm. I have no musical talent, personally. <laughs> I don't either. Other than knowing how to enjoy it. That's a skill. And it's something that I've been utterly fascinated with. And I think just to get it out of the way, <laughs> just so we don't you know, dwell on it too long, but one of the reasons I love film scores so much is because of, I think some of my earliest childhood memories involved certain family films that had their impressive scores. Yeah, yeah. Like The Land Before Time with the music by James Horner. Mm, yeah. And stuff like that. So I've always been fascinated with it, but they were going to be talking about music that sort of is not part of film. Obviously, this is music that has been used in film. Yeah. But not originating from film, sort of. Yeah. Our topic. So let's cast our minds back. Mm. All right. They're young, Ken Napsock. Mm. Growing up in what, Arroyo Grande, California. That's it. So what is your maybe earliest memory or connection with music? Uh, it was slightly null and void, meaning it wasn't a huge part of my existence. I wasn't, I don't want to come out swinging hard against my wonderful, lovely parents who I still um, uh, have around and, and have a, a good relationship with. But they, they didn't necessarily, shall we say, encourage me to enjoy popular music of the day. Mm -hmm. I'll just leave it at that. So um, a lot of my early memories were of uh, contemporary Christian music, early Amy Grant stuff. My first ever concert was Debbie Boone, the You mm. Life, Life daughter of Pat Boone, uh, which is all well and good. Um, and some great stuff and some great songs that are still in my my soul there. Uh, but I, you know, I was in a public school and 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 you know, you start looking around like who's this Michael Jackson person, and then who's this person, and then uh I remember I think I told the story on Other Center recently a little bit, but uh all my friends started listening to, to, to the Beastie Boys, and I wanted to be cool and listen to that, too. And, and my mom uh, mm -hmm. investigated it and uh, did not find it uh, to her standard. So but all that to say, eventually, you know, and I get it. I I, I might be taking a little bit of a, a shot at it, but, it you know, I, I think, you know, to be protective and uh, of your young kids is an OK thing. And and uh, um, but that you know, I, I had friends like my old friend in radio. Um, my friend Megan in radio years ago, she's like, she said, my parents put uh, Pat Benatar records in my hands at, at 11, right? So some people had that upbringing. I didn't have mm. that. So I discovered a little bit later, 10 or 11, um, listening to an oldies radio station, which is hilarious because I, that was the mid 80s. <laughs> and mm -hmm. some of the oldies they were playing were six years old. Um, but yeah. that popular songs. And those are songs that my mom and dad grew up with. Now, my dad was a big rock fan. In fact, when he was in the Navy, uh, he was in the Navy in the late 60s and was um, in, involved in Vietnam, but on the surface, he was in the Navy side, so he was, he was more stationed at Guam than actually mm -hmm. in Vietnam. But his brother was uh, a Navy as well, same situation. My other uncle on my mom's side was actually on the front lines of Vietnam for a while. Um, so my dad was a big fan of music of that era and was actually his ship's like tape trader, so to speak. So he used to have reel to reels of all the, mm -hmm. the music 
of the popular, you know, I mean, just name it a classic, a classic album from like 67 to 69. He had on reel to reel, make them into cassettes and sell them on the ship, like a little music black market. Uh, so he did love that kind of music. Uh, and, and my mom grew up with more, um, classical she's a big barbara streisand fan that kind of stuff but mm -hmm. she loved the early 60s stuff as well uh, and they both love the beatles uh, as well um so when i started discovering it on my own it wasn't they couldn't fight it you know what i mean and because they got it yeah and they, i think they wanted me to not go down certain routes which looking back is kind of hilarious in its own way but but uh you know it was kind of like love the beatles up until 1967 then they got weird don't like them but i love mm. my favorite album was abbey road like um so that that just kind of where it grew so that's like 10 11 12 that started to kick in very nice yeah i mean you know it's interesting because i grew up in a, in a very you know conservative yeah. i don't think my parents were nearly as they were my mom is very you know, we were very sheltered, but not, well, I don't think overly sheltered. I mean, not right. compared to some people I know. Yeah. But, and and, and yeah. our church is so funny because everybody in, the, in our church is going to interpret things differently. Right. Right. So you're going to have members of my church, you know, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who are very, like, more open with whatever their kids do. Right. And then some were very, very like, um, you know, very, very strict. Or we're not quite on the overly strict, but but definitely growing up leaning more on the um, a little bit more on the just sheltered side of things. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm right in the same spot. I think I, my 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 church growing up was uh, what we would describe as a very legalistic church, meaning they they definitely definitely restrictive in terms of that kind of stuff but but individually you'd have i'd have friends who have parents would almost let them listen on the sly it was always kind of funny like you said very correctly it, it could it could be interpreted different ways for different people uh yeah. so I know, I know right where you are yeah and and so as far as like what music we were allowed to listen to i i don't think there was any real like sense of oh you can't listen to this um hmm. i mean certain music Maybe a, a little bit more in the extreme, like you're talking, you know, Marilyn Manson or other very extreme yeah, people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. None of us had any interest in that kind of music. You know, I, I know that. Same, same. That there are some kids who are raised very, very conservative who want to go completely the other way. Right. And that was not me or my brother, or my sister. We're, we're very. Mm. Yeah, my little sister is a whole generation younger, so that's a different story. Yeah, yeah. But the, the three of us were quite close together in age. We never really went through that rebellious, you know. Yeah. But my earliest memories of music, like like you, was church music. Was um, yeah. going to Sunday school, or as we call it, primary. Mm -hmm. We had an awesome music teacher, um, Bunny Barberi. She used to live there. She's moved away. But she was awesome. And of course, growing up, learning you know, the church hymns for the kids. Right. Learning like all the books of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. I can recite all the books of the Bible through the song that I learned. Right, right, and, right. And learning all these songs about you know, following Jesus and things like that. And that's my earliest. Yeah, yeah. 
memory of music of any kind is probably just learning my church songs um yeah on sundays and and i still remember most of the words to those songs same yeah even as a nearly 40 year old man <laughs> but that's really the beginning of, of any kind of music for me was church music yeah same that's funny same yeah and, and i still you know, I mean, I know most of my church hymns by heart. So. Mm -hmm. It's because it's easier than for me to have to grab the hymnal because I don't remember the words. It's easier just to <laughs> remember. remember. And one of the great things about music is because of the rhyming scheme, it's easier to remember. Oh, yeah. Than if it's just words. Um, yeah. And things like that. So that was really my earliest. Um, but the earliest music outside of church music was classical music. Mm. Which I've always loved. And I think it all began you know, not to dwell on it because it has been struck, but the Looney Tunes cartoons. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's an amazing uh, They yeah. used an incredible amount of classical. And classical's always been something that I had a fascination with um mm. even to today um but before i get into that one thing i forgot to mention is that um we always heard music like playing in our house mm. when i was growing up you know used to have a record player and wonderful and and one of the things that we listened to a lot of was Probably the earliest recording artist that I had an um, effect on me was what used to be called the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Oh, yeah, yeah. And now, of course, they're called the Tabernacle at Temple Square. Okay. The Tabernacle Choir. It's a, and they used to do, um, we used to play, particularly at Christmas, we still play a lot of their music at Christmas time. Um, right. And and not only do they sing in our like, church functions but they've recorded many albums for many years now yeah in fact uh, they won a grammy in 1961 for their recording of battle hymn of the republic mm. which in which they changed one of the words that to this day if anybody sings it they still follow the oh gotcha the change that the choir made and Instead of like, let us die to make, you know, let us I think mm. the line is, as he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. Mm. They changed that to let us live to make men free, which uh, I'll take that. Sounds a little bit better than dying to make people <laughs> free. Um, yeah. So I love that. Those are really the, the earliest recording artists mm -hmm. that affected me would have been the tyrannical player. Mm -hmm. so what is one of the like first specific recording artists that had an effect on you um it's hard not to have the conversation without me talking about the beatles but i also the beatles are so known and 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 so celebrated and documented it's almost you know oddly enough becomes boring for me to sit and discuss it but that 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 was the that was a very organic beginning for me again my parents were Beatles fans but they didn't pass down any records 
they kind of heard that I liked it. So my mom bought me a couple cassette tapes, but I wasn't, um, they didn't sit down to talk to me, but you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was just kind of like, all right, you can, you can listen to this. So I was at a, a birthday party in 1987 uh, when I was in, uh, I think, sixth grade and, and it was a slumber party. And my friend, uh, Sean, pulled out a um, um, cassette tape, but CDs, 87% CDs mm -hmm. in the streets. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was like, have you ever heard of the Beatles, Sergeant Pepper, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band? And I was like, I, I think so. I think so. And we sat and, and listened to the the album. Uh, that's for, an album oh my that yeah. is an album yeah and it just was you know it was truly a a a, a, a you know to i'll quote i'll quote the franchise we love a, a first step into a larger world and, mm -hmm. and took it and and so that started but but and 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 i was like i said because i loved the quote-unquote oldies radio format and the beatles were very much part of that that's kind of where i stayed for a while and it was a good comfort spot but some artists started to push me out of um well, even though they, again they were actually were technically oldies, but they started. To, I started to dig deeper, and it was uh, yeah, Paul Simon and Harry Chapin. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't talk about that part of my music journey as much. It's so funny you're, you're getting some some good stuff here, Brennan, because um, my dad was a big fan of Paul Simon as well, and that was what was interesting. So, you know, we didn't really celebrate secular or popular music in our house until Graceland came out in 1986. Mm. And my dad loved that album. And he, my dad builds his own speakers and stuff. He's a sound engineer guy. So he would set up um, the speakers and, and, and set, tune everything in the house. And that, that album just has so much, just a cavalcade of sounds and influences and, uh, you know, Lady Blacksmith, Bombazo uh, band and all this stuff. And so he would just sit there and I kind of would make fun of it because there's some different kind of stuff in there. Uh, and the songs, right? Um, but it was 10, right? I didn't know. And then within a year or two, as I got older, I, I just fell in love with the album too. Uh, and so getting into Paul Simon Moore, a master lyricist, uh, and then a storyteller like Harry Chapin, Cats in the Cradle being his most famous song. And I absolutely hope I remember correctly, but there's a live recording uh, where he worked with them at the time, Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Um mm. So he and his brother Tom shape and also like it's you know, thirty thousand pounds of bananas. W O O L D, which is a story of a depressed middle aged rock DJ. I did not know the song would be my life, but I, I loved it when mm. it was. So that kind of pushed me more into beyond just the Beatles. So the Beatles remain my my all time favorite. Um, so those two, among many other quote unquote oldies songs and artists from that era, which is sixties, seventies, eighties, even some of the fifties. Um, but yeah, those two started to push me a little bit more. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, legends of, of music and certainly, you know, Paul Simon, one of the great artists of modern times. And um, it, it's interesting how there's there's so many factors that go into why certain music hits us at a certain time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm why it connects with us as it does, whether it be memories, whether it be the nostalgia, whether it be the the way that it speaks to what our lives are like. And I know that for me, beyond some of the, the very early stuff, the, the, the thirst going, I think back to classical music real quick, it's, mm -hmm. It's the first time that I think I remembered specifically when a piece of classical music connected with me. Mm. 
was I was in second grade. So I would have been seven. This would have been in 1992. Mm. I might have just turned seven, yeah. Yeah. Our our class did a you know, like one of those school performances that all the parents can see. Yeah. And that's basically doing a, a, the Nutcracker. Well, yeah. And hearing the music of Tchaikovsky, that was the first of his music I heard. Mm. Speaking of the, the great Russian composers, which um, yep, 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 are actually probably my favorite classical composers of all time. Wonderful. Um, but hearing the music of the Nutcracker, which of course has become ingrained in our culture and our society. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so interesting if you consider that that Tchaikovsky didn't like his own work that he had done on that. Mm-hmm. You know, and here we are, that's his most famous piece he ever yeah, the wrote. Uh, and, and I think that some of the and then because I think two things happened that year. One, we did this little like nutcracker thing in second grade. Mm-hmm. And two, well, just to, to say it just in passing, Fantasia. Mm, yeah. Uh, a friend of mine showed me Fantasia at her house. Mm. And this is, of course, where I hear the great classical pieces like the Nutcracker. Yeah, yeah. Like Takata and Fugue, like the Rite of Spring. Beautiful. All these like extraordinary pieces of music. But I think the Nutcracker really, and I hear that music. And the flood of the nostalgic emotions just comes back. Mm. And just being taken back to that moment as a kid. That's really the amazing thing about what music can do. Mm-hmm. Is it could just it could just put us back in a particular zone. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but I think that so hearing the music of Tchaikovsky and the Nutcracker and just being Amazed by it, and and I would listen to it again and again and again and again. Mm. You know, as as listen to the the uh, some of the particular pieces like the dance of the sugar plum fairy and the right, right, sugar plum fairy. These all these great moments. Um, that really was my earliest that I can distinctly put my finger on. When and where I was when the Nutcracker and the music of Peter Tchaikovsky really got me. Hmm. So, um, what is an early memory you had? Although you can still remember to this day where you were or what was going on in your life when some music connected with you. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what it is, Brennan. And uh, and I want to thank you again for re- respecting where I am with the strikes and not mm-hmm. wanting to talk about it. But I I will have to talk a little bit about a about a movie here. Um, it was the uh, 1990 classic, uh, uh, Pretty Woman. Um, yeah. So I, I was you know, 12 or 13. Now music had been around as as a Star Wars fan, obviously. Clearly, some John Williams music had connected with me just a little bit. But in terms of a song, and a moment. That I and, and a film that I somehow connect with, even though I I really didn't understand the, the moment in, in a certain way. It, it, it's 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 the key moment towards the end of Pretty Pretty Woman, where where Richard Gere has 
thinks he has left Vivian behind. You know, he's he's the week is over. They've had mm-hmm. a fight. Uh, it's done, and and he's in he's in his suite, and then he she gets picked up in the limo, and then Roxette's it must have been love place. I I love mm-hmm. Roxette, and I play them often, uh, both on uh, Hall of Fame Music Radio when I'm on the air in Pennsylvania, and then also on Pop Rock and Radio when I can. They're they're definitely of a certain era that makes them harder to fit into some of my playlists. Um, mm-hmm. and it just broke me. It must have been love, but it's over now. I hadn't been. Mm. I didn't know any of this stuff. I just felt so broken by this moment and so sad, even though the movie ends happy just a few minutes later. I just I just was I just was crestfallen by it. I also was a a big fan and still am a huge fan of the movie when Harry met Sally and Harry Mm -hmm. that soundtrack Mm -hmm. is great songs there, too. And so that's why I started to see the power of music. And the power of connecting with emotions and how it connects with ourselves. And even though we're, you and I are deep diving into movies right now, that's the power of movies. That's the importance of the creators behind these things and and, and the quest and the fight for fair wages and, and, and all those things you, you wonderfully mentioned up top. That's why we should support it because it just strikes a chord. And and again, I'm, I'm, I'm 13, 12, 13. I can't remember exactly. Maybe a little older. Uh, and it just, it just, I just love, and it, you're talking about the first moment i watched it did not see it in the theater saw it in vhs um i just was like i wanted to cry i didn't even know why and it's a power ballad it's a late 80s 1990 power ballad kind of over the top big music big hair big everything but that was that was an early moment in my life where i went damn music hurts me <laughs> but i yeah. love yeah i mean i was too young to be emotionally affected but i still well it's weird because it didn't make me cry that it is an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. I was about three when The Land Before Time came out. Right. And if any people remember the end song by, of course, the great Diana Ross is If We Don't Hold On Together. Right. Which, you know, I hear that now and it makes me cry. Yeah. But then I was like too young to really understand what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. That might have been the first specific song right. that ever had an effect on me, you know, specific song. Yeah. And the same with Somewhere Out There from an American Tale. So, Oh, that's a great, you know what? That's a great which, example. Yeah. Which uh, I might actually get to meet the director of those movies. Um, oh, Song Bluth is going to be at the convention I'm going to. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. So I might actually get to meet him, which is really cool. Yeah, you know it's funny. That's earlier in my life. I saw I saw that movie in the theater, and and that's a great moment of of, uh, you know, I was a little younger, but yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, even there are no cats in America, but the streets are paved with cheese is something mm-hmm. I'll I'll remember those lyrics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, Don Bluth is actually a member of our church, my church. That's great. That's great. Oddly enough, um, yeah, yeah, I will. Um, so for me, the first like band. Hmm. That had an effect on me is one that I'm sure has affected many people in the United States and elsewhere, and that's the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. used to play their music all the time in our house. Yeah, um, and I could still sing along with Kokomo and <laughs> you know Southern yeah. USA and yeah, all the classic Beach Boys songs. Um. California girl, you know, little oh. sort of girl and California girls. Yeah, got on. Yeah, wish they all could be California girls. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, the classics like Servant Safari, 
and just you know an incredible um 409 you know listening to that oh yeah yeah um 409 four, yeah and yeah and it just uh there's some incredible songs from that and and they're such an interesting band in terms of looking at the history of that mm -hmm. and where they fall into sort of the history of popular American music. Mm -hmm. uh, because they sort of were the, you know, obviously there's the sadness of the, the day the music died in February of 1959. Mm-hmm. With the very sad deaths of the big daughter, Richie Dallins and uh, and um, mm -hmm. uh, Buddy Holly. Yeah, and and it's interesting because the Beach Boys were with the British invasion coming over. The Beach Boys were like the one American band that was still doing really well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At the time, that people like the Beatles and the Stones and others were. Well, maybe the songs were a little later, but starting to make a headway in America. Mm -hmm. And the Beach Boys are fascinating because not only are their songs extremely memorable, you know, good vibrations and stuff, but they also, where they fit in the history of American music mm -hmm. is a very fascinating time period indeed. Uh, you're you're really right. I I uh, have a great appreciation for the Beach Boys. My late uncle was a huge Beach Boys fan, uh, and I think we play them once or twice on Pop Rock and Radio because they're again similar to the Beatles. I, I love the Beatles. I don't play a lot of Beatles on Pop Rock and Radio. They're so unique. The Beatles and the and 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 uh, I almost said the Rolling Stones, but the Beatles and uh, the Beach Boys. Um, that when you play a song of theirs on a radio show, it has to stand alone to me. It's hard to just sync it up right away. They're so unique, and I could play, you know, God only knows or something like that. But even then, it's so unique. And and you're absolutely right. They were one of the only American bands uh, that were still doing their own thing. But then, you know, obviously the change in Pet Sounds is influenced by, by yeah. the Beatles. And then Paul McCartney goes, "Whoa, we gotta we gotta catch up to the Beach Boys." So I I love their their part in their chapter in, in the music history. It, it is amazing to me um i think god only knows it's 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 you know because we think of the beach boys there's a lot of like fun beach party kind of songs mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which they do but you look at something like god only knows i mean that's a, a very moving you know piece of music um yeah and things like that 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 the music wasn't all just you know and let's dance at the beach kind of music um yeah there's a lot a lot there um yeah well that i i think but yeah they they deserve their place in that change where and the beatles are very much in this as well but and the stones but but in the mid-60s it switched over to we're not just gonna sing because we're a surf band i got feelings i got pains i got struggles i'm gonna sing about that dylan yeah. of course, was one of the leaders as well as uh you know some of the great folk singers of the time uh, and even before, but yeah, yeah, I think that's what was, it's a fascinating switch 
for them to go, great, yeah, we got this wonderful tune. Good Vibrations is wonderful. But now we're going to be real and we're going to be a little bit more raw and expose our emotions. And, and then music, I think, explodes even more. Uh, and of course, the fact that Brian Wilson was dealing with so many yeah. mental health issues. Yeah, and God only knows being sort, sort of a cry for help in some ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's it's fascinating. And um, if they are really, I think, the first like band that really... Hmm. That really connected with me. We used to listen to their music a lot right. in the early nineties. Um, mm, mm. So, what would be sort of another, you know, young teenage kidnap talk? Mm. What after you know the Beatles? What was really the next like musical group that really affected you? You think? Uh, there's there's a few years there. I was still through high school. I graduated high school in 1994, so there was I was still I was known as a Beatles fan, right? Again, I'm, am I unique? No, but uh, everyone in my group knew that that's the Beatles guy. So I started, but so the popular music of the day still wasn't infiltrating my my soul as much as uh, maybe it should have. But I started listening to regular non oldies radio and all that kind of stuff. And by then, I started getting in. You know, was racing towards my own career as a, as a radio DJ very soon. I started that in like 1995, 96 range. So there's a period of time between like 93 to 96 where every bit of, of, of music it, it found its way to me, uh, whether I, I really loved it or, or, or just kind of thought it was a, okay. I just had an explosion of, of, of songs and albums. Uh, so out of that emerges a, a strong love of uh, Liz Fair, Oasis, uh, YouTube, but eventually my love of YouTube would grow bigger and differently in the early 2000s when I kind of mm -hmm. needed their music at, a, at that point in my life. Um, then, oddly enough, I started to really explore the Beatles as solo artists, which I hadn't as, as much before. I was obviously aware of it, but um, getting into Lennon and the Plastic Ono Band stuff, uh, the Imagine mm -hmm. album. I'm, I'm I'm George Harrison's my guy. That's my Beatle, and, and all things must pass. Um, I remember the day I bought that CD, the triple CD set. You know, not album, but the CD, and um, just that was that was for me. So it's that kind of stuff. So the, and and then it, then just, just a lot of bands. I was a big Spin Doctors fan, Gin Blossoms, Refreshments, and and I started my uh, proper radio career, my professional radio career, uh, late '95 uh, uh, range, I think. Um, uh, or yeah, yeah, ninety-five. Uh, time flies, right? Um, and so bands like Garbage and and uh, like I said, Oasis, those kind of bands of the day, um, found me as well. But it was a big explosion. It went from like I like a genre and I like the Beatles to suddenly like, um, you know, everything. I just fell in love with so much. Amazing. I mean, yes, it, it was such an interesting time that i i sort of uh, missed i i came a little uh came along yeah. a little bit later than that yeah. um yeah. so i sort of missed out on a lot of that music um but it is just extraordinary how that just, that's just how it goes and i think that um that the effect that where music finds us um, is just fascinating and that, that's very interesting because that you mentioned George Harrison because um when most people talk about the Beatles they talk about Lennon and McCartney George kind of gets overlooked 
Mm-hmm. But uh, it, very interesting. Yeah. Um, for me, the, the, so early nineties, the Beach Boys. Well, well, then in about nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight, in that range, I'm about um sixth grade or so. It was a very interesting time because you had an explosion of people like Spice Girls, which I was not into. You had that darn song from Titanic that got played all the time. Uh, yeah. But then there were two artists that could not be more different that found me in about that time. Okay. One was Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. And the other were the Backstreet Boys. Love it. Uh, Weird Al, we we would listen to the radio, you know that that time, um, and they would be doing some of the Doctor Demento radio show thing. Love that, yeah. And Weird Al would be played really okay. Who is this guy? This is really fun. And so my, I think my sister, but he had an album called the Food Album, mm-hmm. which took all the songs about food from his earlier albums. Put together, we listened to that to death, mm-hmm. and then also my sister bought some uh, Backstreet Boys albums, particularly their album uh, Backstreet's Back from 1997 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Millennium from uh, I think 2000. Right, um, and I think that the thirst of their songs that really you know affected me. Well, no, uh, Millennium was released in 1999. Um, and, but I remember that the, the the songs, you know, it's so hard to remember the exact details. But I believe the thirst of their songs that really hit me for the Backstreet Boys is called Everybody. Backstreet's mm. Back. That's right. Um, obviously, the Backstreet Boys, their most famous songs, mm-hmm. being like Quit Playing Games with My Heart and Backstreet Back, Larger Than Life, and I Want It That Way. Mm-hmm. Which I'll tell you a funny story. So, last month, um, we're at the bowling alley. I, I'm, I'm basically a scoutmaster in our combination. <laughs> and we're doing bowling with the boys, and suddenly I Want It That Way starts playing. Well, two weeks ago, we're at a restaurant down in Morgan Hill at Fancy Steakhouse, and I wanted that we start playing <laughs> on the radio. Yeah. And I'm like, this one's following me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, I think that I'm more into the Weird, weird Al than I am into the Backstreet Boys, but <laughs> like a lot of people in my generation, I could still sing a good amount of Backstreet Boys songs. Yeah, that's great. And Weird Al, I mean, his polkas and his it's earlier songs from like back in the 80s was those two kind of hit me around the same time mm. uh, late 90s and um still to this day i think are among some of my favorite recording artists so i wasn't really into nsync or 98 degrees or mm-hmm. so did hansen mm. but um mm. street was yeah definitely Hey man, I love that. Um, I, um, 
you know, you mentioned Spice Girls. Like I, I, I did not like the Spice Girls in 1998. Now I absolutely uh, adore them. Uh, you just got. I think we have a tendency to to shut ourselves off to a lot of music, um, whether being taught or told or just we just think, ah, not for me. So the fact that you're, you're open up to uh, Backstreet Boys, um, who were top of the charts for a reason. Yeah, uh, I love that fascinating era of music. A lot changed. Uh, some for the good, some for the better. But uh, I love that. And then as far as Weird Al, you mentioned Weird Al. No, I absolutely love Weird Al. Uh, I think he's deserving of the love too, because he's genuinely just a, a a great human by all accounts. I uh, love uh, the movie he had out last year, and and uh, I used to listen to the Doctor Demento show as well. And Weird Al uh, went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Uh, for I I lived in town there, but that that was the, the local college, so it's a little tied to our our local history. Mm-hmm. And he's just a fascinating artist, just an absolute fascinating artist who has outlasted many of the artists he parried parodied. That's yeah. An amazing, amazing testament to his skills. That, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, Weird Al is 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 a fascinating figure. I think because it just he has such a good voice. I mean, yeah, you know, like you listen to some songs, and you really sometimes have a hard time understanding what they're singing. Yeah, not in his case. Then then is some of the best diction I've heard from a rock singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his ability to tackle any genre, mm-hmm. and his ability to make these parodies that I think one of the most fascinating stories is the story of his song, The Saga Begins. Right. Um, where he got to see the Phantom Menace early, wrote the song, and he does a music video, which is a huge hit. And Don McLean loved his song. Yeah. For those who don't know, Don McLean wrote and sang American Pie, which is what Weird Al is parroting in the song The Song of the Ants. Mm-hmm. And Don McLean even appears in the music video. Mm-hmm. And he says that sometimes he'll be at a concert singing his own song and forget the words and start singing Weird Al's version. <laughs> I mean, that's great. That is so cool right there. That's amazing. And uh, some, of course, the songs that are classics to Weird Al, like Bologna and Lasagna. And, mm-hmm. and you know, um, this Paradise, which there's a fascinating story mm-hmm. behind that that I'm sure you're aware of, Ken, that, mm-hmm. that he really didn't get permission from Coolio to do that song. Right. Right. So he always makes it a habit of don't talk to the agents, talk to the artists themselves. Yeah. And obviously, Pat, you know, like like Dad, like Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. Dad, and just you know his polkas that he would do. I mean, the man is a genius, and you're right; he has outlasted. Yeah, a lot of the artists that he's parodied. And yeah. now, here's a fascinating story about the Backstreet Boys. Mm. So they make a music video for Larger Than Life. I'm sure you remember the music video. Yeah. Well, they're like on a spaceship and doing stuff like that. Well, around that time, I my imagination really taken off with wanting to write a sci-fi novel. Mm. Which I'm still writing, but let's just say it's a lot different than how it started. <laughs> One of the inspirations was that music video. Oh, awesome. Um, I think it's a long story, but now it's a totally different story. 
that I'm writing, you know, but it really started kind of germinated from that music video. And uh, I have to admit it publicly, the other inspiration was the Disney Channel original movie, Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. <laughs> I can't remember that. Yep. I am putting that on record. <laughs> there you go. Can't take it back. Um, but yeah, the larger than life. And then, of course, Backstreet Boys. I remember going to some of our seventh grade dances, mm. eighth grade dances, and they would be playing. Um, I wanted that way as a slow dance. Mm, that's right. And uh, so, like that, I mean, it was just what an interesting time the yeah. late 90s was as far as music yeah. was concerned. It was a fascinating time uh, uh, because of the, the new metal, harder rock stuff emerging, the pop stuff like you're talking about, which, um, you know, was bound to happen coming out of the grunge into the alternative phase. That's, you know, kind of like more my stuff. Um, and music's always got it's got to change every three, four five years. Something new has got to come up. That's the point of this. all. and our, our, our struggle is to not fight against it, just to find out what's there for us. And not just be a back in my day, the music was the best, but it it, it finds that's when that music finds it. And I, I am a, kind of obsessed with the change over in the music styles, late 90s into the 2000s from the mid 90s. It was a dramatic switch. It's such a fascinating time historically mm -hmm. and artistically, the late 90s. Um, yeah. You know, this is all before 9 11. Yeah. Uh, the economy is doing fairly good in the United States at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the whole Clinton thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and then, of course, you know, this is the era of TRL. Yeah. Um, you know, Carson Daly. This is the era of the MTV. I mean, obviously, MTV had been around for a while at that point, but this is the era mm -hmm. of the H1. Mm-hmm. This is the era of me surreptitiously watching stuff I shouldn't be on TV. <laughs> Meaning, I don't think my parents would have liked it if they were watching, like, uh, well, the countdown to the sexiest music videos on the H1. On the H1, I remember that list, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, I don't think my mom and dad would <laughs> like it. Me seeing the, uh... Yeah, it's hilarious. But uh, a very interesting time mm -hmm. musically that, yeah, I, I still, whenever I hear the Backstreet Boys, mm. I'm immediately taken back to that time period. Mm. Like being about 12, 13, 14, you know, having a crush on pretty much every girl at school. And yet yeah. again, the things I'm putting on public record in this episode. That's great. This is the point of it. Music brings but it, it, it brings back those memories. And, mm -hmm. and Weird Al in particular, I think, was someone who. I was almost ashamed to admit to people that I liked. Mm. But usually they would say, well, why are you ashamed of that? That guy's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a weird thing, a weird thing about Weird Al. He goes through these periods of times where I think it, you, you're you're supposed to maybe grow up and move past him. But every next, the next next generation finds him. He definitely, is, you know, his popularity has waned. But I think the last few years there's been there's Weird Al renaissance as, as people like you just said like nah I, I not only did i enjoy his music he influenced me or i got great great amount of joy 
film UHF uh, affected a lot of my early comedy tastes and approach to comedy writing. So, but there was a time, yeah, where it was just like, oh, you still listen to Weird Al was kind of the mindset. And I, luckily, unfortunately, that's that's gone away. Yeah. Uh, he's a great singer. He he participated in in one of the George Harrison tribute concerts a few years ago, and they did a they did a, a great version of um, Handle Me with Care. Uh, the Trevor Wilbury song, and and he he sings a verse in there, and he's he just, he's great, he's wonderful, wonderful. Because he can also be serious in mm-hmm. in when he needs to be. Um, mm-hmm. But I've never felt so much joy with any musical artist. Yeah. Well, if you just want to feel good when you're having a bad day, listen to a really silly polka by Weird Al. You know. Yep. Yep. You just have a few laughs, and and. Listen to some of these weird songs like um, Mr. Frump in the Iron Lung or, you know, these weird, like, <laughs> these weird, like, who in the world thought of this kind of songs? Yeah. He's got and, one. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and of course, um, you, well, what were you going to say? He's got a song. I um, am friends with a guy who kind of is the inspiration for Weird Al's song called Skipper Dan. About mm. the uh, Jungle Cruise captains and skippers at Disneyland, Disney World, mm-hmm. I think world. But uh, it's a guy of, uh, I know uh, up in my hometown, Dan Dan Lair, who's uh, part of the Central Coast Swim Society, and uh, he he was uh, he was the skipper the day Weird Al and his family uh, came down to visit, and uh, Weird Al eventually wrote that song. So, mm. uh, that, and that's an original tune, right? It's not a parody. That's really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um... So Weird Al, of course, is a is a, a SoCal boy. Yeah. Uh, Linwood and other places like that, which of course I mean, a lot of people know where that is. Um and um what's fascinating to me is if you ever saw when he was on Jimmy Fallon mm. with Lynn Manuel Miranda. Mm. And Lynn is obviously a huge fan of Weird Al. Yeah. And Weird Al does a polka of Hamilton songs. Oh, that's funny. Which is just hilarious. Um, and things like that. So, it's it just a fascinating time. Mm. Uh, the next thing that really, I think, is where music meets me is in high school. So I was in high school in 2000, 2004. I used to listen to the radio every day while doing homework. Mm. And there was a band that I think a lot of the songs I listened to were just like, you know, a bunch of scattered artists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of them, the one that really sticks with me the music that I would say this is my nostalgic. This is like my music. This mm-hmm. is the music that I connect to. Was the Goo Goo Dolls? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I listened to more songs by then than I think any other artist of that time. The alternative rock scene. Um, mm-hmm. I used to listen to Mix One Six Point Five. That was my radio station. Mm-hmm. And their music, whenever I hear it now, 
that brings me back to being in high school. Right. Um, what do you have any thoughts on the Goo Goo Dolls as artists? I I actually uh do like the Goo Goo Dolls. Um, they were one of no, I think I think they actually were the first free CD I got from when I started my radio career because we used to get the CDs, you know, shipped to us every week for giveaways and stuff like that. So we could all always go through and just pick one or two a week. And uh, I walked into my program and music director's office one day, John and Joe were their names. And John just goes, here, uh, here, here, this is for you. Cause I, I was an intern actually at the time. So I wasn't getting paid. And he goes, here, just take this. And it was a, a boy named goo. Uh, so I was like, Oh, great. Uh, yes. Free stuff. And you know, that's the, the, the track name, uh, name comes from that. And, and I love name and there's a lot, but there's a lot of great songs, uh, but they're a fascinating tale to me of, they were strongly influenced by one of my favorite bands, The Replacements, and The Replacements were often bitter about that. Paul Westerberg, the front man, was. But Paul Westerberg mm -hmm. was a grumpy, bitter man, and I love him for it. He's one of my favorites. Um, so they kind of got slighted a little bit because they became so popular. Name's a great song. Name is an absolutely great song. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. what happens, right? You know, bands, and they didn't, by, by the way, they did the story of that song. They didn't intend that to be it's a th not a throwaway, but they tucked it away on the middle of the album. It was there. And, and, and uh, the program director at K-Rock was just cycling through the album. You know, they had, well, I forget, Long Way Down or whatever, whatever some of the hits, the songs that are on there that were the, the singles that started it. And he finds a song just and he's like, what the hell are they doing? This is, this, they got to release this song. So he started playing on K-Rock and that made it the hit. And then mm -hmm. people just build up an, an animosity towards these artists that succeed, you know? Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the goal? Not just in terms of fame and notoriety and money, but getting your art and getting your message and getting your words out to the world. That's it's kind of why we do this. Um, so I, I never had a negative thought about them. They become super popular. They're one of the biggest bands in the world at a certain time. And like a lot of bands that might fade away, but the music remains. So no, I, I, I defend them for for a lot of reasons. Uh, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't call them one of my favorite bands, only because I just didn't invest in them as much as I did in other bands. But I love good radio songs, and and they've got just a plethora. Of and what I, I mentioned earlier, and, I, and like I said, I'm putting myself all out on this <laughs> episode. But high school was an interesting time for me. Yeah, particularly due to sort of the. I swear I had a crush on a different girl every week. <laughs> and that was part of the fun, right? And every time I listen to Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah. That's the sort of those those full romantic memories that come flooding back. Right. Iris, Slide, Name. Slide's well, a great song. Yeah. Big Machine, Black Balloon. Mm hmm Here is Gone. You know, it just... Mm -hmm. it, it brings that all kind of flooding back. Um, Love that, yeah. Uh, and just an interesting time. And and I have recently made a uh, a playlist on my um, on my Spotify of music I listened to when I was in high school. Mm. The Google Dolls have more songs on there than anybody else. Hmm. Uh, Better Days, also to mention that song. And, and the music is so interesting because it's fun to listen to, but it's also um, 
a lot of it's very emotional. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's very like melancholy in a way. Mm-hmm. It's a somber streak, yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of the music I like to listen to is music that's a little more upbeat. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I can't explain it, but there was just something about their type of very melancholy music that that connected with me. Yeah, look, um I always say, you know, we all have songs that are in the key of our soul and happy songs um often i think get overlooked i think there's great importance to them um there's some great happy songs what's that band the mowglies um they got some great happy songs i play them i play them from time to time pop rock and radio but but there's something to be said for wallowing being letting those feelings uh, i always say on the radio uh show uh you know they hurt so good and Goo Goo Dolls, you're describing quite well. Um, they have something I love, which is a somber, a somber center to everything that goes on around it, even if they got a happy song. Um, so I, I react to that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think that, you know, to me, their song, Iris, is probably the most um, um, emotionally moving. It was written, of course, for the movie City of Angels, which. Um, Right, right, right. I have to admit, I have not seen. Um, I haven't either, but I remember. But <laughs> I know it mostly as a you know, being played on the radio, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to where it comes from, you know, movie. Yeah. And I think um, I'll mention as we draw toward the end here, some of the other artists that really affected me during this like high school time would be. Um, Michelle Branch, obviously the great. Um, well, I, 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 I'll stop you there. I love Michelle Branch's music from that era. I think, and she's still, she's going on tour right now. I, I'm not as familiar with her later stuff. That's my fault. That first album was just a, just a great, great, great pop album, pop rock, pop rock album. Yeah, and um, I, you know, speaking of that, that sort of youthful, romantic yearnings of high school i mean her music mm-hmm. when i hear that i mean it's it's it, it all comes back even though um songs like goodbye to you and and all you wanted are not exactly the most uh as far as love songs they're more about breakups than anything yeah else. yeah yeah but it definitely throws me into that that time period on um, I'm going to sound like a complete dummy, but I always thought <laughs> in my mind that she was like this blonde white girl. Right, right, yeah, I know what you Only mean. a few years ago did I realized uh, she's Indonesian yeah. in ancestry, and she has dark hair and, you know, mm. almond-shaped eyes, and I didn't know that because when you, when you hear a singer, sometimes you construct an image in your head of what they look like, and then once I saw what she actually looked like, I went, well, A, she's cuter than I imagined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And B, I didn't realize that she was had those wonderful and yeah, very, very exotic looks, for lack of a better word. And yeah, which is great. But she definitely had, had a lot of the hearing her music. I, mean, I know the voice immediately. She did that great duo with Santana called okay. um, The Game of Love. Mm-hmm. Which was was really good, mm-hmm. 
and uh, just wonderful and definitely brings back memories of that time. Uh, Cheryl Crow, another person that yeah, that definitely reminds me of that era, like the gonna soak up the sun and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just discovered her great cover of Sweet Child of Mine. Right, yeah. That she did. I had you play it on the on the radio show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another one that, that really was Matchbox 20. Yeah. Which I and now I just want to listen to Push just because it's used in Barbie. <laughs> and I thought that was utterly right. hilarious. On the right it. use of it. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, they had some songs in there, particularly their song Smooth. Yeah. But they also do with Santana, which is an incredible song. Mm-hmm. Um, which which is great. And and another um artist that I really like is Jack Johnson. Um oh yeah, take take your like his, off and listen to Jack, yeah. I like his little his, his guitar music and very mm-hmm. like gentle in a way. Um mm-hmm. And then, of course, later, after I had already graduated high school and stuff, it's when uh, Green Day comes along. And they are, um, mm-hmm. they affected me a lot, too. Um, and that really brings us to today. I'm not, you know, the biggest follower of specific bands and stuff. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm very out of touch with modern music. Mm. Um, but I do like to go back and listen. And also recently, I went down a rabbit hole of making a playlist of 80s rock music mm-hmm. that, you know, jumped by Van Halen and oh, I love it. Living on a Prayer and all these, you know, great old classics. But a lot of which I didn't, I didn't know anything about until I started listening on Spotify. That's great, man. Always time to rediscover an area area missed. Um, but yeah, those are really the artists that have had an effect on me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, that really, I think, it, it, I, I'm very much defined by, I'm very much a you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, Lord of the Rings kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to music, there are a few things that have had an influence on me that I think are shaped who I am today, even though most of my time is devoted to the more um, nerdy persuasion. Sure. Sure. But it's just amazing how um, in in our lives how so much of who we are, I think, is is shaped by the art we consume. Absolutely. Not only is it an extension of what we are, like we, we, we are drawn to the art that we that we that we like you know mm-hmm. that that connects mm-hmm. with us also there's something almost like primordial about it yeah where it's almost inexplicable it's just the sense of and i don't know why that but it because i heard it like when i was really young or it's just become ingrained in me just as much as any of our favorite film franchises are. Yeah. Um, so as we sort of wrap up, uh, what are some of the the recording artists that you would say are the ones that have had the biggest influence on you in more recent years, maybe in the last 20 yeah. years? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mentioned, um, you know, rediscovering you two in the mid to oh, yes. 2000s um yes. uh, not that i'd always been a fan once i really got into music and especially in in radio i was i was in radio when pop uh was released so I, i've always loved the band and 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 i know they're not for everybody and not, not every artist and song and band is for everybody but uh they were for me and and, and they became a powerful uh source of a spiritual inspiration from me so that kind of they and George Harrison's music kind of kept me afloat during some of my darker days uh, in my life. But um, um, art, there's so many different kind of artists that influence me in different ways. If, if I need to feel uh, that I need some a little a shot of confidence and swagger, I'll put on some Oasis or Noel Gallagher solo stuff, the mm-hmm. high floor, even some of Liam's solo stuff. Uh, some of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, a lot of bands that I just absolutely love now, but uh, I have become in the last few years greatly influenced by uh, Lady Gaga and David Bowie because yeah. I consider them true artists, um, artists who have both put on um, wonderful, in- intriguing facades that are built on themselves, uh, that have played different forms of themselves, different characters even, especially with Bowie and his different incarnations, but also just that they are communicating they're communicating their thoughts on the world through their music and that's their chosen medium as, as well as acting for both of them. Bowie acted as well. Yeah. As... Well, Bowie and God are both great actors as well. Yeah. And yeah, well, I uh, exposure to Bowie, like most people was labyrinth, you know, just, right. uh... yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I grew up um, being very familiar with David Bowie from afar greatest hits fan i did see him in concert in 2004 and i've always Ooh. loved him yeah it was, it was part of his last what ended up being unfortunately his his last like big world tour um but even even when he passed away uh what is that january 1st 2016 right i was like oh yeah i've, I've always loved bowie bowie's cool but I, it wasn't in my heart um and then i kind of discovered not just his music again I can't name every lyric. I can't name every song of David Bowie. I'm not that kind of fan of Bowie. A fan of him as someone who saw the world, had thoughts in the world, and got his thoughts out through what his he felt his best medium was, which was which was music. Again, among other things, including art, a uh, painting, and acting and all that stuff. But so that, and then and then I wasn't always a, a Lady Gaga fan. I didn't understand Lady Gaga. She was me she, too. I thought she was just this weird, yeah, weirdo. I, and it's easy to do. It's it's not unlike what we were talking about with the Goo Goo Dolls, where a band becomes popular because of one song, and you form an opinion on them, and it's natural. And we shouldn't beat ourselves up for that. I think we should just push for that, push forward through that. And not every artist is gonna hit with you, even if you push to find out who they are. But um, uh, over the years, of the last couple of years, from uh, just learning more, of, not just her music, again, of who she is and what she says. Uh, I heard that Netflix doc uh, Gaga Five Foot Two mm. started to change things for me, and then um, just grew and grew and grew. And then, and then seeing her in concert last year um, was a, just a life changing experience. Uh, yeah, and, and it was fantastic. And again, it's beyond the music. It's 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 an artist with with uh, narrative in 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 their and very and, and intentionality in their music. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so those are the two right now that are, I think are the biggest flavors. We're even in stand up. I'll drive to stand-up shows listening to Lady Gaga. If I'm in the green room feeling a little nice, yeah. If I'm feeling a little nervous in the green room, I I try to channel uh, Bowie in a way of you know, go out there and say what you have to say. And so yeah, those those two right now, among others, some other cool bands out there that I like listening to, but none influence me more than those two. 
Bowie, I came to his music uh, later. Um, mm-hmm. The Martian, using a lot of his music um, mm-hmm. in that film, like Starman and, and things like that. Um, and, but I always sort of admired him as the actor. Mm-hmm. And, and I think my favorite role he ever did was, well, I mean, not to get too much in the movies, but. Mm-hmm. What was it? Was as Nikola Tesla in Agreed. the Prestige? He's great. He's and yeah. and now that I've listened to more, you know, Under Pressure is a classic mm-hmm. that he did with uh, with Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Lady Gaga. You know, I first began to wear this weird singer wore like a neat suit, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then in the last like couple of years, where she's she hasn't quite done the outrageous stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. I think more and more people are getting to see the real her. And I got to say that last year at the Oscars, mm-hmm. uh, when she performed, no makeup, hair in a ponytail, black mm-hmm. shirt, black pants, sitting on a stool like she's at a, like she's at a you know comedy club or something, mm-hmm. 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 giving an incredible performance. And I think that anybody. And doubt if she has talent, go watch that. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people I know see the facade. Mm-hmm. That shows that even when you strip that away, she's an incredible performer. Yeah, indeed. And I certainly have become a bigger fan of hers. Um, also, as an actor, I'm interested to see where her career goes next. Um, yeah. That sort of brings us to where we are right now in 2023. Um, Music means so much to the human species. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been part of us as long as humans have existed. It's a method for telling stories, but it's also a method to inspire us. It's a it's a chicken and egg feedback loop kind of thing, you know. It just mm-hmm. it we use it to express art, and then it causes. Um, and then it like comes around and influences us, and then we go forward. And, yeah, you know, it's continually moving, and I think that that's what's so utterly fascinating about the world of music. Um, mm-hmm. And you, of course, have helped me get even more and more into music mm-hmm. because with pop rock and radio, I really got out there and started to listen to more music that I never would have before. Mm. It's wonderful. Um, and of course, you know, great show. And so keep up the good work there. Thank you, buddy. It, it certainly brings a smile to everybody's face. And yeah, you got your loyal crew, me, old Hansel, Lauren Romo. Yeah. <laughs> you got these, these great group of people. Yeah. You, you all make it fun. But uh, thank you so much, Ken, for coming on today. But, uh, yeah. Brendan, an absolute pleasure. Love talking music. Uh, we could talk. For hours and hours and hours and uh, I, I love hearing your story of, of how you found music the different kinds of music and 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 you taking all those influences and putting it into your own work and and, and that's wonderful stuff so any anytime Thank i can talk music I, I will so just any final thoughts on what music means to you uh it is it is a it is a lifeblood of inspiration and and comfort and commiseration and understanding and insight 
spirituality uh, uh, and also just fun and a little anger and a little uh, 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 all the emotions. It's how we can kind of help process them. And it's a reason it's so powerful. It's a reason you hear those stories of doctors and scientists compress your brain and song will start coming out of your mouth right it's literally mm -hmm. just becomes ingrained into us and and um and uh and it continues to do so for me and and i had fallen off i've always been a big music fan and was in radio and wrote about music in the early 2000s and then kind of fell off a little bit and and getting you know getting into the podcast game and talking you know star wars and all of this other stuff kind of got me focused there and it's been the last couple of years with the arrival of pop rock and radio pop rock and radio has forced me to listen to more music and that's why mm. so many new artists in my heart and my soul now because of that so uh uh it, it can always music will always be there for you well said well said well thank you ken where can everyone find you easiest thing just go to my website kennapsock.com and I'll, i'm on all the social media sites even the ones that i forget that i'm on like blue sky or hive or <laughs> uh, but the website's a one-stop shop and i'll be doing some stand-up soon uh, October be in New York with Mark Ellis and uh, around Christmas time up in Seattle as well. So look for more dates soon. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, well, everybody, thank you for tuning in to this great discussion of music. Uh, my name is Brendan Murray. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. Thank you for tuning in to The Guest Awakens presented by Page Turners. They were not. My Star Wars adjacent music podcast. Mm -hmm. As always, may the force be with you.